It seems to me that in the old days of radio, and I'm going back again to the 40s and 50s, the executives, whether men like Guy Della Chapa or Harry Ackerman or whomever, were men with an experience in and a feeling for the theatrical end of the business as opposed to the business end of radio. Oh, hello, Chester. Oh, come on in, Doc. There was a wonderful meeting of the minds when you went in and said you wanted to do such and such a kind of show. They could they could picture and understand and either agree or disagree with what you had in mind, but they knew what you were talking about. It was really extraordinarily easy to get a conference or a meeting with the uh, then CBS brass. Well, you mean he's out of town? That's what the note said. It seems somebody told him where he could find Jack Brand. Usually it was one man or two men, and that one man or those two men said yes or no to your idea, and you either went with it or didn't. There was no feeling of committee and that somebody upstairs would say yes or no. I had an idea that there could be a, a sort of a female gun smoke, if you will, only modern. I went to Harry Ackerman and said that I thought if we could get Joan Fontaine to play the lead in a script I'd written, we could cut an audition record. That was in the days when we used 16-inch acetate. And it would be a thing of beauty and everybody would be crazy about the whole thing. And, of course, it didn't work that way. Uh, Miss Fontaine did do the audition record, but it wasn't very good. My point, however, is... Where is he? Well, there he is, sitting on that wagon. Oh, yes, well, That in the space of about a six-minute conversation in Harry Ackerman's office, I walked out with the knowledge that I could have a studio, an engineer, an orchestra, a recording session, a cast, and Miss Fontaine, all agreed to in about five minutes. And it takes more than that to ride up in an elevator today to one of the executive's offices. Let's get on, Brandon. You first. For sure. How come you let him drive the wagon, Mr. Dillon? To keep his hands full, Chester. Here, take my shotgun and lock him up. Yes, sir. Where's the others? I thought he had three men with him. Well, tell him, Marshal. Tell him where they are. They're in the wagon, Chester. Out of that canvas. Mm-hmm. Well, are they all dead, man? Uh, all three of them? They're all dead, Doc. Bloodiest marshal I ever saw. It's just a wagon load of meat to him. That's enough, Brandon. It ain't hardly enough. I never seen such killing. What happened, Mr. Dillon? It doesn't matter. They put up a fight and I had to take them. Well, I'll tell him what happened. You're a lawman here. Hid himself in the grass and just waited for us to come out of that cabin. And then he yelled, so naturally we headed for cover. Who wouldn't? He just laid there and he cut loose of the shotgun. Tore up two of the boys that way. Then he stood up and he cut down Hank Smith with a six-shooter. How come you got out of it, Brain? I jumped back in the cabin and I give up. We weren't putting up a fight. He spooked us yelling like that. Make any man jump. Oh, I suppose you're trying to say that you wouldn't have shot. We tried to shoot him. Who wouldn't? Any man's got a right to defend himself. Oh, well, I never heard of resisting arrest called self-defense. I never heard of no marshal shooting down everybody on the landscape. Lock him up, Chester. Get going, Brand. Well, he actually think he was killing hogs, not men. Shut up and keep bloody as the marshal See, how come you brought the bodies back, man? Why didn't you just bury him out there? I wanted more witnesses than me to identify him, Doc. 
Might save trouble when Brand goes to trial. You say you were mighty lucky taking four outlaws that way, man. Yeah. yeah and you kill three out of... Oh, say, wait till people around here hear about this. Brand's right, Doc. It's a lot of killing. An awful lot. Oh, no, you don't. You don't get to thinking about it too much now, man. It's your job. You did it. So it's over. It's over? Wait till tomorrow or the next day. There'll be somebody else. There's always another man to kill. Oh, no, that's not the way to look at it, man. I, I've never heard of you shooting anybody you didn't have to. No, I never did. But sometimes that doesn't help much. See, you look tired, man. Well, I haven't slept since I rode out of here two days ago. Well, now, you get some rest, and you'll feel better. Sure. Brand's snug in jail, Mr. Jones. He don't like it much, but I told him not to try kicking his way out, that I'd be sleeping in the office. We'll both be sleeping in the office, Chester. I'm too tired to walk to my room. Uh, take care of this wagon. And what's in it, will you? Mm-hmm. You and Doc can identify those men. We'll write it out on paper in the morning. All right, sir. Uh, I'll be coming to bed about midnight, but I'll be real quiet. Nothing could wake me, Chester. Not tonight. After Have Gun Will Travel went off the air in November of 1960, and production of Yours Truly Johnny Dollar and the revived suspense shifted to New York, Gunsmoke was the last primetime radio drama originating from Hollywood. It was tricky for those of us who were regulars on Gunsmoke, or more or less regulars on Gunsmoke, we had the last surviving live radio show. For a long time, we were the only radio show still going. Everything else had dried up and gone. At least, I've forgotten now whether it was two years or three after Gunsmoke became a television series. And we were still doing the radio show. You said a live radio show. It was on tape. Well, we did it on tape. But, I mean, but it was still... We did it as though it were live. Yeah. The End was near. Gosh, Doc, you sure I shouldn't wake him up and tell him? It can wait until morning, Chester. Matt's too tired to do anything about it tonight, anyway. Mm, I guess you're right. Of course I am. Yeah. Okay. Good night, Chester. Good night, Doc. You, you, you was asleep. You, you, you've been dreaming. 
Tossed it to you right through those bars on the window. I didn't know Stanger was in town. Didn't you? 
Chester, get some boards and nail them over the window so nothing can get through it. I'll fix it, Mr. Dillon. Oh, wait a minute. Marshal, that's the only window in here. You can't board it up. You'll get enough air. No, but it'll be dark. I don't like it dark. Don't you? When you get it fixed, we'll go to breakfast, Chester. It won't take long, Mr. Dillon. On Saturday, April 29th, 1961, the Gunsmoke crew gathered for the last time to record episodes for the series. They did not know the show was to be canceled. It's been some time since I've been out on the plaza this early in the morning, Mr. Dillon. By that time, you were recorded ahead, and we were all very grateful that we had enough shows recorded in the can, so to speak, that we did not know when we were doing our last one. I don't think it would have been a very enjoyable day for us to go in there knowing that this was it. We kind of we had, I missed five out of about 530. Wait a minute, As a lot of shows have done now, I think we entered areas that Westerns, indeed the radio shows, had not entered before. There was a little of the psychological involved, and there were instances where sometimes right did not triumph, mm-hmm. as in the real world. And the thing about Gunsmoke, it became a labor of love for all of us. I know I still have a big library of Western fact and fiction mm-hmm. of that era. You're up early, Stenger. Train leaves for Abilene in about an hour. Going to Abilene? I'll be back next week. Jack Brandle will still be in jail. We were a pretty intact group there. We had the same director, the same assistant director, the same script girl, the same engineer, the same sound crew. The music was the same, and... Uh, in addition to the four regulars, there probably were not more than 20 or 25 people who were used. It formed a pretty tight nucleus, a stock company, as it were, for that. And the show, I think that if, if we had been given just an outline, I think that Bill and Howard and Georgia and I and some of the regulars, I think we could have ad-libbed the show if... It was that tight and that close. Yeah. So we got close to know to each other's uh-huh. timing so well mm-hmm. and anticipate each other's... Thoughts. I, I remember. What for? They got you out of sight, if nothing else. I wouldn't go to jail, Marshal. Little things like, well, Dylan had told Chester to put some wood on the fire. And the sound of the logs going on there, and I went. <laughs> He said, well, get out of the smoke. <laughs> Just as an ad-lib, huh? <laughs> Green. Uh-huh. You should have got dry. And then we went on with whatever we were doing. And things like that. The final episode aired on June 18th, 1961. Produced and directed in Hollywood by Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. The story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Gene Bates, John Daner, Barney Phillips, and Harry Bartell. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. This broadcast concludes the current Gunsmoke series. Next week at this time, the CBS Radio Network and its affiliated stations will welcome back the distinguished dramatic favorite, Suspense. The premiere of this new Suspense cycle will be Alan Sloan's gripping original play, Call Me at Half Past. Be with us next Sunday at this same time for the return to these stations of suspense. This is George Walsh speaking.
Arthur Godfrey, weekdays on the CBS radio network. Although Gunsmoke's TV version with its different crew aired into the mid-1970s, the most influential radio western of the last decade of the Golden Age was over. Gunsmoke started on the air in 52, as we've mentioned, and network radio was beginning to die just at the time we were starting. I guess what I mean is that in those early days, if you were doing a uh, a series and the series was canceled, something else popped up and you were told to start preparing for a show called such and such, which would go on the air next Tuesday. There was always something to replace the show that went off the air. By the end of the 50s, and certainly by the 60s, when a show went off the air, that was just the end of that half hour or that hour or that two hour segment, and it was filled with something else. And that something else usually came from New York. It was a sad period for those of us who were fond of radio and enjoyed radio, and indeed had been brought up in radio. And it was not, um, believe me, a, a matter of sour grapes, because all of us who were then working on the radio show were also busy and gainfully employed on the television show or some other television show. Bill Conrad was producing and directing in television. Later he became an executive at Warner Brothers. At the same time, John Meston was writing, I think he wrote as many as 40 half-hour television episodes in one year. He was also writing regularly when it went to an hour, the television version, some 12 to 15 episodes a year. So we were all busy. But it was really the fact that dramatic radio from the West Coast was drying up. Gunsmoke passed away, if you will, just at a time when there were new kinds of audio equipment coming on the scene that would have made it marvelous. For instance, if Gunsmoke had been done in stereo or quadraphonic, if you can picture Matt's horse coming down Front Street, the whole length of it is passing from one side of your living room to the other just as it passed from one end of Dodge to the other. Or Matt's booted feet working their way all the way across the street and up the steps and into Doc's office on the second floor. It would have been rather wonderful to hear this, but radio was already on its way out then. There was now no network dramatic radio originating from Hollywood. There was a thing that was happening at that time, which I don't know whether anybody knows about, and maybe not even you, but at that time, stereo was just beginning to show its head. Now, Have Gun Will Travel, Gun Smoke, the radio shows that did exist at that time, were getting ready to produce radio drama in stereo. But because the decision had been made to, uh, to get rid of, of radio drama, that too naturally disappeared because the whole concept of radio drama was destroyed. And along with it, any new idea that might be uh, in waiting for us. And that was stereo. That's a pity. How do I stereo drama and radio? Stereo would be fantastic. If there is a silver lining, it's that because Gunsmoke came to radio in 1952, 
after transcription became widespread. Many episodes exist today in good-to-master quality. A new listener can begin with the first episode, Billy the Kid, and listen straight through. The following year, on September 30th, 1962, CBS canceled Johnny Dollar and Suspense. The network would have no dramatic shows in their programming block until 1974. 